morning, True North. Can we clap? It's good to be in God's house, isn't it? Well, hey, if you're here for the first time, welcome. We're glad that you're with us today. And in addition to that, everyone joining us online for the first time, our family at SCI Chester in partnership with God Behind Bars. Let's show them some love as well. I had one of those nights last night. My, my youngest son, Lux, uh, ends up in our bed um, most of the time at night. And um, he's one of those violent sleepers. You have any of those in your, in your family? And um, you could just be... <laughs> Like, this is the best spot. And the next thing you know, you get headbutt and you black out for a second. <laughs> he headbutts you or he kicks you in the face. And, you know, he seems so sweet and innocent when he's, when he's laying there. And then a moment goes by and you get punched in the face. And then you're finally starting to fall asleep again. You get kicked in the side of the head. And I felt like I got beat up last night. I don't know what the heck was going on. But I'm glad to be in God's house. Are you doing all right? It's good to be in God's house, and um, I'm just excited today to share with you what the Lord's place on my heart. We're going to continue in the book of Numbers, and if you weren't here last week, we started a series, Out of the Wilderness, and we're going through the book of Numbers. Last week, we really recapped everything kind of in preparation to go through the entire series, so if you weren't able to make it last week, I encourage you to go back and get up to speed with um, what we're, what we're, where we're going and what we began last week. But before we do that, I, I did want to share two, two primary housekeeping. Um, well, one's an announcement, an exciting one, a praise report, so to speak. I told you about us going to the uh, Harrison Township uh, Planning Board uh, to receive approvals for our phase two, which is an expansion of parking to the south um, in addition to the, the construction and uh, launch of a wellness center for our church family in the community and an 1,800-seat auditorium to the north with additional parking to the north. And uh, we received approvals for everything last Thursday. So praise Jesus for that. It's exciting. And now we just got to raise the money for it. And uh, no, I'm excited. I know that everything that God has ever called us to, the provision has always been there. And I'm so excited about it. It's always intimidating if you expect to accomplish things, uh, great things in your own strength. But when you know that God's for you and, is, and the family's behind you and you're united around the same cause and the same vision for Jesus, then great things can happen in the, in, in the name of Jesus. Can you say Amen. Um, so super excited about that, and uh, and also something else I'm very excited about. We've been we have we've launched kind of the master class uh, when we really came into this facility uh, a little bit after we launched True North College, and I've been really excited and blessed to just see the hundreds of people come out um, for the master class. And I wanted to make an announcement: the fall master class starting on August 31st. It's a Tuesday evening. Is going to be all about the Holy Spirit. Um, Doc John, um, Dr. John Mannion, the president of True North College, will be teaching that. And I just want to encourage you to sign up for that. This course actually has a small fee, but the fee is related to the course material that will be provided to you when you arrive. But I want to encourage you to sign up for that. There are many people um, who have been raised in church, and they know nothing about what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit. And we, every single year, go through a series as a church family, but I want to encourage you, this is an opportunity for you to really lean in, in an intense way, um, to learn everything that the Bible teaches about, well, maybe not everything, there's a lot in there, um, but a lot uh, pertaining to the Holy Spirit, so I want to encourage you to sign up. You can sign up online, you can talk to someone in the lobby after service if you'd like. We began talking um, about the wilderness last week. I have to tell you, I... I feel as if God's rewriting stuff in my mind about what the wilderness looks like. We know that God called the Israelites out of Egypt, out of bondage, and he's called them to a promised land, Canaan. And, and we know in numbers they're stuck in the in-between place. They're not where they used to be, but they're not where God wants them to be. So they're kind of in the intermediate. And I, I don't know about you, but I've always... I love to, to see where the word leads us and how it teaches us. And yes, they are very much in a geographical location, in the in-between place. But the more I read through the text and the more I study and the more I learn, I, I find that the wilderness, though it is a barren place, it's a place that really exposes our weaknesses. 
it, it shows where and when we become dependent on ourselves or we are dependent on God. It demonstrates our needs to survive. Now, last week I told you that the wilderness is a barren place. It means that everything that you planted yields nothing. And the fascinating thing about it is they were in the wilderness and the word of God teaches us that he preserves the, the integrity of their clothing. It didn't wear out. They couldn't make food for themselves. There was nothing for them. So what does God do? He not only keeps them clothed, but then he provides food. And then they need water and they can't do it on their own. They can't produce it. They can't just say, let there be water, you know, and pop up a Wawa or something. It just wouldn't happen. So what does God do? He gives them water. <laughs> he gives them food. He gives them protection. Like, where do we go? It's all right, you know. We're going to put a giant nightlight above the tabernacle. You just follow that, you know. And then we're going to put a cloud just so you don't get lost. Where do we go? There, we're going to follow that. He provides direction. He, he, he dwells amongst the people. He cares, he provides, he promises, and he does everything that they cannot do for themselves. But the fascinating thing about the wilderness is it draws out what's in you. It's interesting because the, the Bible is big as it pertains to numbers. It's very big, and... The number 40, if you study it in the scriptures, we find that it's used 146 times, the, the number 40. It is generally referenced or symbolizes a trial, a, seasons, a season of testing or a season of trial. Moses lived in Egypt for 40 years and then he went and hid on the backside of the mountain for 40 years. And then God called him. He says, I, I need you. And so he uses Moses to call the people of God out of bondage and slavery, demonstrates his power, his strength, his love, his compassion, his justice, and he calls them out. And while they're in the, the, getting ready to walk into the wilderness, it's interesting because then God calls Moses to Mount Sinai, remember this, in giving him the law. And he calls them there, not once, but twice. And each time he calls them, he calls them to the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And then once they begin to pursue and get closer to the promised land, God instructs Moses. He says, remember, send 12 spies. We talked about this last week. And how many days did he tell them to spy on the land? For 40 days. I just wonder, like, is, is the wilderness, is it about a, a moment in our life? Is it about just a season? Because this is what I know. And maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just the way that I think. But I know that when I, when I talk to church people, you know, and you can classify yourself as a church person. You're like, we're like wilderness. It's, we can hear it and be like, oh, I'm just praying for those people in the wilderness, you know, <laughs> those lost, hurting souls, you know. And you're like, well, what if the wilderness is nothing more than just a test? And maybe you're not in a barren place, but I can guarantee you every single one of you lives in this life and are presented with a wilderness test. Like, what if the, what if the wilderness is... I don't know, what if the wilderness is just this life and what if the promised land is our real home in heaven with our king and our father? What if the wilderness is just this life and it's just a test? It's a test, it's a test of what? What type of test? Are we gonna, are we gonna win? Are we gonna fail? Well, in our own strength, we, we, we will fail. <laughs> it says in Matthew that without God, we can do nothing. But with him, all things are possible. What if the wilderness is just a place that, have you ever heard this, that people say to you things like this, they'll say, well, it's trials and tribulations and seasons of testing. It really just shows what's in you. Have you ever, have you ever heard someone say that? And, and well, the truth is, is what's within all humanity is not pretty. It's not. But I actually think that the wilderness does something a bit different. I think the wilderness just exposes your source. That's all it does. It just exposes your source. Now, this is what I want you to know, that, that every single day of your life, you'll have a wilderness test. I'm not saying you're living in a wilderness, but you'll have a wilderness-like test. 
in a phone call, in a conversation, in a text message, someone in the line at the store, or something you watch on the news, a report that you hear from someone somewhere. It's, it's, it's a wilderness test. And what do you do and how do you respond? And I'm coming to learn that God desperately wants there to be this reliance upon him in every season, at all times. What is the test? I, is it a test to just, is, do I live by faith or do I live by fear? Do I trust in God or do I trust in myself? Do I believe in his promises or the voice of other people? Do I live a life that is led by the spirit or do I live a self-led life? Am I dependent on God or dependent on myself? Is my hope in the Lord or is my hope in everything but the Lord? Is my life all about him or is it all about me? Is, is, it, all, is it less of me and more of him or is it more of me and less of him? What is it? And I, I, I suppose what I'm trying to put out to you today is don't, disres don't disregard the, the season you're in. as like, well, I'm not in the wilderness. This does not pertain to me. I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You are. <laughs> you are heaven bound. And I want us to live in victory in every moment, in every conversation, in, in every report. Because this is the interesting thing. As you read through the, the book of Numbers, you find that, that there is a wilderness-like reaction to everything. There's a wilderness sound. There, there is a wilderness reaction to receiving reports. <laughs> there, there is a perpetual kind of distancing away from God, trusting in God. And I, I really believe that in order for us to shine the way that God intends us to, to shine, we, we need to be aware of the tests that are before us. Have you ever... Um, have you ever had one of those teachers who's, who gave you a test and at the very top of it, it says, um, in the instructions, it says, sign your name on the last page and turn the test over. Has anyone ever seen ever had a test like that before? And the whole premise was just read the instructions before you begin. <laughs> and everyone is going really hard, really hard and, and like figuring it out and I mean, it always took me like 10 minutes to start, so I'd always be the one to be like, oh, no way, this is amazing, you know, and I'd like <laughs> flip it over. And Sometimes we don't even know it's a test. The conversation in the car ride to church, the phone call, what you saw on the news, what you said, but you shouldn't have said all of those things, and I want you to be aware, I want you to be, Attentive to those things. Jesus teaches us so well. What I find so fascinating about the wilderness experience described in the book of Numbers is that Jesus teaches us so well about what it's like to walk in the wilderness. Why do I say that? Because before he began his ministry, we find in Matthew chapter 4 that the Spirit of God led Jesus to the wilderness before he began. He led him to it. It's almost like before... <laughs> It's like that's where God desperately wants you to be in the promised land, a place of complete dependence upon him and living in gratitude and freedom and abundance and joy. Living in a place that you've received things that you cannot produce in your own strength. Like money can't buy it. Accolades cannot sustain it. It's nothing you accomplish in your marriage or in your career or financially or anything, it, it, won't, it won't sustain you. But, but what God gives, only he can give. And so we find that, that God teaches us in the wilderness season so that we can thrive in the difficult times. And, and what I find so interesting about it is, and maybe you're like me, maybe, maybe I'm the strange one, which is very possible, um, but... I tend to always get caught on the test itself. And I always overanalyze the test. Like, well, okay, what? Okay, I think this is a big test. You know, the devil's out to get me. You know, this is a big test. No, just someone said something stupid and you're getting all worked up over it, you know? And, and or something happened and how do you react to it? And I, I get always, I always get 
focused upon the test, but it's really not about the test. It's what the test exposes that you need to be attentive to. It's what do you say when you hear negative reports. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever gotten to a place in your life, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your job, maybe it's financial, and you, you keep saying to yourself, why do I keep ending up here? Why do I keep, oh, I feel like I am deja vu all the time, and it's driving me crazy. How do I always get discouraged and frustrated and feel lonely and feel disconnected and feel aggravated and feel like I'm not doing enough and feel like I need to work harder and I have to earn more and I have to do this. And, and it almost feels like you're constantly coming back to the same things that you're trying to avoid. And you're aware of the, the emotions and the feelings in it. And, and I don't know about you, but the one thing I've recognized is this, is that what I tend to discard is like, oh, that's just life. Christ actually presents a completely different way of living. A completely different way of living in, in such a way that he doesn't permit my whining and complaining. No matter the test, he doesn't, he doesn't say, well, I know that was a difficult test, so just keep complaining and whining. I understand. No. He doesn't. He, he almost, he doesn't excuse it. Because he expects us not to draw on ourselves, but to draw from him. And if we draw from him in every season, in every way, financially, emotionally, everything in our lives, we not only will pass the test, but we live a life that's perplexing to other people. How does Joshua and Caleb go into the same land, see the same challenges and opposition that's before them? that the other 10 giants saw, that the other 10 spies saw, but they saw something completely different. Or did they see something completely different? I think they saw the exact same thing that the other 10 saw. The only difference was is that they knew they could not, they could not accomplish anything apart from God, but with God they could accomplish everything. What did that ultimately expose? It exposed the fact that those 10 men drew their source of power from what they could do in their own strength. And Joshua and Caleb were smart enough to know that <laughs> we would get smashed by these guys. <laughs> but it's not us. It's not us. It's him. And if I, can, if I can help you today, everything that's before you, if you attempt to accomplish it and win it, and overcome it in your own strength, you will feel like you are on a carousel coming back over and over and over again to the place of failure and discontentment. It's only when you get to the place to recognize, no, you know what? This is something I cannot do in my own strength. And I will stop striving. I will stop trying to, to accomplish things, to produce things like peace and joy that I cannot produce in my own strength. It is the presence of the Prince of Peace that produces that. So let him be the source of it. Can you say amen? Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. Not some of them, in all of your ways. And I love what it says in Isaiah 40. I love it. It's, it's, it's one of those verses that in our, in our flesh, it just seems perplexing and it's overwhelming. And it's like, well, really, can that happen? But the prophet Isaiah says, but those who hope in the Lord, not hope in themselves. I need you to get this today. Not the one who hopes in their own intellect, in their own understanding, but those who hope in the Lord, they will what? They'll renew their strength. Renew it. It'll be refreshed. He says, you'll renew your strength. You'll soar on wings like eagles. You will run, the scriptures say. He, it says, and not grow weary. You will walk and not grow faint. <laughs> but it's those who place their hope in the Lord. Jesus is led into the wilderness. And we find this in the gospel of Matthew chapter 4. It says, Jesus is led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting, here it is that number again, church, for 40 days and 40 nights, season of testing. He was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus responds, I say this all the time. 
For it is written that man shall not live on food and bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I want you to, to, to lean into his response. He is tempted in the flesh and he exposes his source. <laughs> it's the Father. It's the Father. You can ask me to, 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 to gratify the temptations of my flesh and say, yes, I, I do want that and so I'm, I'm, I'll just do it. But he says, man, I, it's, almost, it's almost as if Jesus is laughing about it, though tempted in the flesh and challenged in struggles. The difference between you and I and Jesus walking the wilderness is he, he passed every test. And not by the skin of his teeth, like, oh, no, he, he, he outperforms humanity in every way. Perfect. Exceptional. And it's almost as the enemy tests him, it's almost like Jesus is perplexed, almost like, do you, do you think I'm sustained by just bread? What is your response? What sustains you? What sustains you? This is, this is what Jesus is trying to teach us, is what ultimately sustains you. And we can be cute and be like, well, you know, I... I could fast and pray. No, no, no. Listen, we need food. We need water. We need clothes. We need those things. But Jesus talks about that in Matthew 6, and we're going to get to that in a moment. But ultimately, what sustains you? Jesus is like, no, that, that's, that's nice. My body needs that, but my spirit does not. <laughs> that's my source. And then the devil comes back and tempts him again. And the scripture says that this time when he comes to tempt him, he tempts him by, he, by saying this. He, and this is interesting because the enemy comes and he comes to, to the word, Jesus, and he quotes to him the word. And he says, well, for it is written, you know, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him. He says, it's also written. <laughs> Do not, let, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He tempted Jesus in a way of pride, testing his power and his strength. How strong are you? Show me how strong you are. Prove it. <laughs> when you're young, you always have to prove yourself. I'll show you. Yeah. It's an adolescent motivation. It doesn't sustain. When you know who you are, you, need to, you don't need to prove it to anyone. And when the enemy attempts to use the word of God against him, he says, you failed to, to address this one passage. Don't let the enemy know more about the word of God than you. Know the word. Know how it guides you and leads you and directs you. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, the scripture says, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you. <laughs> Jesus is probably thinking, I made it. You're not going to give it to me. You know, think about the audacity of that statement, the arrogance of that statement. And then place yourself in a season in a conversation where someone makes an outlandish, arrogant, statement about you and your family, your wife, your children, your job, your career, your character, whatever it may be. Think about how you would want to respond. It's probably not this way, okay? you probably like, Jesus, just give me a commercial, 10-minute commercial break, you know? That's why I always ask the Lord, Lord, can I have a commercial break right now? Just give me a five minutes, actually 10 minutes, that's all I need, you know? Jesus doesn't have a commercial break, he <laughs> says that he showed him all the splendor of the world. I'll give you all of it if you bow down and worship me. <laughs> She's probably like, excuse me? You know? <laughs> Listen to his response. Get away from me. He says, he says get away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. Then the devil left him, which means he listened. <laughs> and the angels came and attended him. He is asking Jesus to, 
replace the father with him. And that seems crazy, doesn't it? You're like, this devil's not very, he's stupid. You know, he's pretty stupid. Um, But then if you jump back from Matthew 4 to the book of Numbers, you find that in humanity we do the same thing. All the time. Where God demonstrates his sovereignty and his power and his provision and his protection and his grace and his mercy and his peace to us. And yet we constantly drift away from him and find ourselves in seasons. Listen, I want to help you today. The greatest way to combat or the greatest way to win in a wilderness test is to know when you're in one. Um, When I first started in ministry, I remember... um, I'm sorry I'm not as animated as I normally am. It's not because my son beat me up. I'm just, I, it's, I, I, feel like, I feel like God's trying to lead me in this message. And what I'm sharing with you, I don't even really have it all written down. But I feel like when God leads you in places and takes you to places in certain seasons, you're tempted to write the ending of the story before God does. Sometimes what you really are dealing with is the false expectations of what you wanted and then the reality of what God wanted. And what I've learned to do is to trust God that He knows better than I know and that what He takes from my life, it needed to be removed from my life and what He gives me in that season, I need in that season, right? And so the truth is it's a hard thing to clap about, (laughs) right? It is. It's a hard thing to clap about because it's like, no, God, I want that. And God says, that'll kill you. And you might be like, it's not going to, the car won't kill me, God, you know. And he's like, no, but it'll keep you from my house. And it'll keep you from my word, and it'll keep you from this or the new job or whatever it is. And God knows where it leads. He knows where it leads. And sometimes, and sometimes what, what we wish God would bless us with, God withholds to preserve us and keep us. And so sometimes... It's less about trying to figure out the journey with God and more about trusting Him in the seasons that you don't understand. I I remember early on in ministry, um, God was refining me like so much. Like I would say the first 18 months in ministry, it was like I kept coming back on Sunday or Mondays. I'm like, God, are you really calling me to this? This is like... I want to fight someone after every service, God. It's like, you know. (laughs) It was like the backhanded compliments of like, this is good, but, you know, hey, that was a good translation, but you should probably use the real translation. It's a King James Version. and, uh, And hey, next time when you do that, here's a great example. You could probably use that. That way more people would understand. And, and, um, you're like, oh, okay, you know, and, and I've had people come and, and say things, and I think sometimes it's even with the right motivation. And there's seasons where, I have to be honest, church, I didn't guard my heart in it, and it affected me. And then every time certain things happen, this is what I realize, is that every time the enemy presents me with something, I want to pass the test. I just want to pass the test. And it's not just about winning. I, I want to honor God. Like, I just want to honor God. And so even if it requires of me something that I'm not used to doing, even if it requires me to do something, like let me ask you this question. How often do you say I'm sorry to people in your world, like your spouse and your kids? (laughs) That's a perfect example of the test that's always before you. Are you willing to humble yourself because you know that God's ways are higher than your ways. If you are, he'll lead you to a great place. He'll lead you to a place of healing, a a place of provision, a place of abundance. That's where God takes you in that. And so recognize the test. Recognize when you have an opportunity to say things that you shouldn't say. And smile in the face of it. Be secure in your identity in Christ. Know that you have nothing to prove to anyone else. Know that you live this life for the audience of one. Know that he's called you to represent you, for you to represent him in a profound way. And it's interesting because 
Man, when you deny your flesh, but you know your Father in heaven is smiling, man, it feels good to make your Father happy. You know what he says in Matthew chapter 6? It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And I suppose I'm saying this to you because, and I don't know how to say this, it's like, it's like the wilderness tests are served to you daily. Daily. So this is why I have a hard time saying, well, like, am I in the wilderness season? Am I not in the wilderness season? No, in this life you will have trouble. The appetizers served to you daily are complaining and discontentment. Every day when you wake up, discontentment and complaining. And man, he wants you to partake so bad in that. Just complain. And if you won't complain about this, well, what about this? This isn't perfect. Hey, what about that? That's not perfect. Hey, what about this? This isn't perfect. Just, will you just complain? He puts it before us every day. And that's why it's so important to lift your eyes to heaven. That's why it's so important to say, God, I thank you for who you are and what you have blessed me with. The main courses, I suppose, could be blaming. The enemy loves to offer as a main course blaming other people. <laughs> to avoid responsibility and just blame everyone else. It's what the, the Israelites did the entire time. Do you know in chapter 14, after they sent the spies into the land, the people gathered around and they lost their mind. It was as if Joshua and Caleb never even said, we can do it. It's like their voices of hope and promise and victory were non-existent. All they received was the negative report. They discarded the good and received the negative. And, and what is so crazy to me is in Numbers 14, it says the entire night, that night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. Isn't it crazy that their weeping was produced because they received something that was from themselves, not from God? God never told them they couldn't conquer that land. It was a report that they brought home from the doctor, from a friend, from the government, from society, and they chose to believe it instead of God. And I want you to know something. They believed it so much that it, began, it became real to them. They began to weep, the entire community. Imagine a father looking down and saying, this is promised to you. Walk into it and it's yours. And they spy out the land and they say, surely we can't do it. But the father's promised it to them. And then because of their fear and not their faith, they begin to just weep. Why are you crying? Why are you weeping? Why, why are you losing your mind? We can't. No, I know you can't, but I can. It's <laughs> the whole point of this. You can't. Without me, you can do nothing. You wouldn't have made it across the Red Sea. You would have been back in bondage. But with me, <laughs> nothing's impossible. The entire night they wept. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if we had only died in Egypt. When you receive a negative report, when you choose to receive it, when I say receive it, I don't mean like hearing it, judging it as the Apostle Paul says and saying, nope, that's not what the word says. That is gone. I'm not believing that. I'm talking about I hear it and I receive it into my spirit. And I believe it to be so. <laughs> when you do that, it causes a downward spiral. They watch the hand of God, the hand of heaven, feed them, provide for them, guide them, direct them, protect them. And then in a moment from receiving a negative report from the enemy, this is what happens. This is the consequence of failing significant wilderness tests. It sends you in a downward spiral. Woe is me. I wish we would have just died enslaved. <laughs> Saying nonsense. Why is the Lord bringing us out in this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children to be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. 
They wanted to go back to slavery. Do you know, the thing is, is that we can project our future, and the truth is it is scary without Christ in it. And they were writing the end of the script, and, and I just can picture the father looking down and says, you, you don't hold the pen. <laughs> You, you don't hold the pen. You don't, you, don't, you don't get to write that. I wrote the end. But God in his free will and his love towards us lets us choose. It, it, this is what it means to surrender your life. It's like the pen of your life you give to God. And you acknowledge that he holds it. Or you hold yours. And if you hold yours, sometimes what you see and then how you choose to write the end, it is overwhelming. And if you read later in this portion of Scripture, you know what it says? It says God gave them what they desired or what they professed or what they proclaimed. That's why it says in the Word of God that the, that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And he says, so you went into the land to spy for 40 days. And so for each one of those days, you will wander in this wilderness for 40 years. And everyone over the age of 20 will walk and wander in this place and die. Because that's what you spoke. But everyone younger will walk into the promised land and the only exception will be the ones who declared and received the promises I had for them were Joshua and Caleb. <laughs> I'm telling you, church, the wilderness tests before you are to blame other people. Comparison. Comparison in our culture today is just, it's so prevalent. It's, it's frightening. But comparison, the greatest damage it produces is it causes you to live with zero gratitude towards God. It's never enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. God is, is he's always lacking in his provision towards you. <laughs> and maybe last but certainly not least, offense. Aaron and Miriam were offended by Moses. They were offended, it says in scripture, by who he chose to marry. They started to speak negatively about Moses and their family of him and the scripture it's one of the most unique encounters that the father has in dealing with a conversation that has to do with offense. Offense will rob you of the life God promised you. It feeds you and drips you the satisfaction of, well, I'm really showing them, and all you're really doing is choosing to walk in a life that is less than what God wants you to walk in. It's a life of bondage. It's a life that doesn't permit you to walk in freedom and enjoy and abundance and peace. God came not to keep you bound, but to set you free. Matthew chapter 6 maybe connects all the dots for me. And this is why. Maybe like me, at times in difficult seasons, you want to look to God and just say, God, well, come on, this is hard. I should be permitted to worry a little bit about this. <laughs> Jesus says in Matthew 6, 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about it. You know, have you ever been somewhere and maybe you're trying to get the check or something and they're like, don't worry about it. You're like, no, no, no I'm, I'm here. They're like, nah, don't worry about it. What are they saying? I got it. I got it. Don't, don't. Don't even, I got it. Just carry on. Carry on. The only people I say that to are my children. When they're like, well, dad, what about this? Hey, dad, what about that? I'm like, I got it. Dad's got it. I think, you know. <laughs> Just I think I got it, you know. And, but the only reason I say I got it is because of my love for them and I know my role in relationship to them. It's like, I got it. Christ tells us as his sons and daughters, I want you to hear this this morning, not to worry. And I've, I've been around church for a long time and people are like, well, you know, it's just really have to worry. And, and I have to tell you, church, I want to thank you for praying just for me and my family. This past season, I know it's been challenging for a lot of people. I just have had through this season, this last two years, just a tremendous amount of peace. I have that. I don't know if it's just because I'm at a point where I'm like, God, this is definitely not me. I have not produced it, nor will I sustain it. And so I will stay out of your way 
use me however you want. And it's enabled me to recognize when worry begins to seep into my life, it's when I'm choosing to try to reach out to the hand of God and say, can I have the pen back? And then I realize I'm like, well, nope, I don't want that at all. You know, you keep it, you know. He says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body or what you will wear. He says, is not life more than food and the stomach more than and the body more than clothes. <laughs> Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? You see how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry. And say, what shall I eat and what shall I drink and what shall I wear? For the pagans, people who do not trust in God, they have no hope and trust in God. The pagans run after all of these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. This is his guidance to us in dealing with those things that we tend to worry about. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Listen, God is for you. Just believe him. Believe that he loves you, that he cares for you. That fear of trying to relinquish control over everything, it is, uh, it's the most freeing thing you ever experience in your life. To know that the life that you've been living in this rat race of trying to keep ahead in control of everything is not, way, is not the way that God wants you to live. When he said that I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, it's not a life that becomes more dependent upon you. It's a life that becomes more dependent upon him. It's less of me and more of him. And the way of maturity is you recognizing every time a wilderness test comes that it's less about my response and it's more about him. How would he respond in this? And God, help me, strengthen me to do it. Let me pray with you as we close today. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, I thank you for today. I thank you. God, I thank you for instructing us through your word. God, I thank you that none of us could stand in this room before you and say, God, we have it all figured out. We have it all perfectly understood. We know exactly the end from the beginning. God, we don't. And we choose today to place our hope and our trust in you. Father, may we be reminded of the enemy's tactics to call us to worship him over you. May we respond to every test. And God, I know that we will not perfectly win and succeed in every test and every trial, but Father, help us. Holy Spirit, give us the words. Give us the strength to do what we need to do to honor you. If you're here today and joining us, or maybe you've been here for quite some time, or maybe you're just joining us online today, and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that the Bible teaches clearly that salvation comes through Christ and through Christ alone. Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. I need you to know something, that it's not a matter of good deeds, of how much good that you've done or how much bad that you've done. The Bible teaches that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the one thing that will keep you out of heaven is sin. Sin. It's missing the mark. It's the standard that God sets. And some of us immediately begin to look to other people. We're caught in this comparison trap even when we talk about sin and we say, well, I'm not as bad. It doesn't matter. The Bible says that if you've even committed one sin, you might as well have committed them all. Some of you are like, all right, well, we're all in a bad place. Yes, we are. 
But the Bible says that though the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So what does that mean? Does it mean that it's in our own strength that we somehow obtain salvation in our intellect, in our good deeds, in all of those things? No. Righteousness doesn't come through the law. It comes through Christ. And in order for us to stand before a perfect, holy, perfected God, we need to be spotless and pure. But we know that we're not. That's why Jesus declares that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one can come to the Father except through Him because He is the only one, my friend, without sin. And when He went to the cross, it wasn't so much about Him doing that as an act independent of your life. It was an act of demonstration of love for your life because He took your place. It's where you should have been because of the sin in your life. That's why I wouldn't... We say, have you been born again? It means that have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you given your life to Him? Jesus tells Nicodemus, a teacher during the time when Christ walked this earth, He said, I've come so that people may be born again. Everyone was born physically, but their spirits are separated from the Father because of sin. But I've come to reconcile that. I've come to justify people. Justification is this idea that just as if you've never sinned. And when you receive Jesus Christ, that's how he sees you. All of the sins that you've lived your life to hide and to to keep away from other people, to even attempt to keep away from God, he says, "I, I see you in a way just as if you've never done wrong. It's not something that we accomplish in our own strength. The Bible teaches us in Ephesians 2.8 that we receive salvation by grace through faith. Grace is unmerited favor. And it comes from heaven to earth. So if you're here today and you're ready to say yes to Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer. Prayer of salvation. It says in Romans 10.9 that if you confess with your mouth, we've learned about the power of our words. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your, in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, the Bible teaches you will be saved. No one can save you apart from Jesus. Can't save yourself. Your parents can't save you. Your grandparents can't save you. You need to come to the place of understanding what will you do with Jesus. And so today I'm asking you to place your hope and your trust in Jesus. If you're here today watching online, you're ready to say yes to Jesus. We're going to say this prayer. We're going to say it aloud. And I ask you to repeat this prayer. You're not going to be the only one that says it. We're all going to say it together. But come on, church, let's lead people to a personal relationship with Jesus. Repeat this prayer to me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I receive your Son, Jesus, as my personal Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again. I am now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's clap for everybody that said yes. All right, come on, let's stand to our feet. Are you doing all right? Man, I'm sorry. I was thinking a lot that service, and um, I'm a little bit strange when I do that. I apologize. Um, I'm not, like, sick or anything. I'm just like, that's what happens when I think too much. It's a problem, but... I want you to know that you have victory in those tests. I I want you to know that you don't have to walk in a circle of a wilderness your entire life. I I want you to know that you don't have to keep coming back to the same issues over and over again. Um, I want you to know that in Christ you have victory, that you have freedom, and and that's where your joy comes from. Um, Listen, if you're not part of a crew, I want to encourage you today to find a family, find a team to serve, to to belong to. Find people to do life with. Don't let this just be a moment, and a place to attend. Let it be a family that you can belong to. Amen? Listen, if you said yes to Jesus, as you exit today, going to be, there's going to be a team out there, and they're going to be waving this Bible. It's a gift from me to you. And um, there's ways for you to get connected in here, um, information to help you in your journey with Jesus. Listen, you were not called to do this life alone, so we want to help you in this journey with Jesus. And if you're watching online, let our team know. We'd love to send you a copy of this and keep you connected, and, and uh, we want to celebrate your decision to follow Jesus. But listen, before you go, will you uh, stretch your hands to heaven? Let me pray for you. Um, Father, I just thank you. God, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus for every person 
present in this space. Father, I pray that you would give them the strength. Holy Spirit, strengthen them in the name of Jesus. Strengthen them in this moment that every time the enemy presents them a test, Father, that they can remember that you alone are their source. You bring victory. You bring healing. You bring provision. You bring peace. You bring joy, purpose, meaning, fulfillment to all of our lives. And Father, we know that the enemy comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But you come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. So Father, we thank you. Increase our faith as we go today, Father. Father, I pray for those who want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray right now in this moment... Father, that that they would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the same way we receive salvation. Father, by grace through faith, let them them be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let them pray in a new utterance, Father, that it'll strengthen them, Father. We thank you. We thank you, God, for all that you are in in us in this season. Go with us as we go today. In your precious and holy name we pray, pray, a faithful church said. Amen. God bless, guys.